You are listening to Whispers of Lunabell Island, an original Delta Green operation brought to you by Reroll Gaming. If you have not heard our previous Delta Green adventure, The Frequency, I highly encourage you to give it a listen, as this show is a continuation of that series. You can find all episodes of The Frequency on this podcast feed. This is a horror show, and its content may include things that some listeners may find disturbing, including scenes of graphic violence, drug use, and other mature themes. Consider yourself warned. Hello, re-rollers. It is good to be back. It is? I have not been in this proverbial GM seat in quite a while. And I won't be in just a short amount of time. We are going to present a prologue of sorts to Season 2 of our Delta Green show. And once we begin Season 2, Zane Gehring will be leading the way. But until then, I am joined, of course, by Ayla Gehring, Wesley Paulson, Brennan Geyer, Latara Godding, and myself, Tanner Prentice. Hello. So no, you're let's not Tanner. Jump He's right. Tanner. Who's Tanner? I don't fucking I'm know. Tanner? I am the Tanner. Wait, now. You're Tanner. Is Tanner even? Who's exist? running this show? I don't know. Shut up, Wesley. Oh shit. Ayla, take it away. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> you guys excited to be back? Excited to get our feet wet with Delta Green once again? Heck yeah. Yeah. I love Delta Green. Me too. Probably, I don't know, it's hard to say because I haven't played it as much as I've played some other systems, but it's probably my favorite, mm-hmm. I think, Delta overall. Green's my favorite, I, I believe. Just so, yeah. so good. Yeah. Just the, the fun we've had playing this game on and off recording, but... Uh. Well, let's jump right into it. An aerial shot of a cloudy, chilly city. Portland, Maine, 2003. A rough old television plays a news program. It has been four years since the terrorist attack in the small town of Big Timber, Montana. A terrorist by the name of Randy Erickson allegedly executed a deadly car bombing with military-grade plastic explosives outside a medical facility. To this day, not much is known about the alleged terrorist attack, with many fingers being pointed towards a mysterious government agency known as Majestic 12. The organization's mishandling of evidence leaves many questions unanswered. Who was Randy Erickson really? Where did he get military-grade explosives? Why did Sheriff Richard McLean take his own life? Tonight, we sit down with Representative Veronica Evans, who was a citizen of Big Timber during the tragedy, to ask her the hard-hitting questions. More at 8. Lauren Matthews, ABC News. This news report buzzes from an old television, a relic from the 90s. A string of tiny American flags hangs over this diner bar, barely audible over the clanking of the kitchen. This Denny's is mostly empty. The bored waitress has offered to top off your coffee several times already. But you, Special Agent Maya Oakley, are hyper-focused on your laptop. What do we see? 
So you see Maya sitting concentrated, typing away at her laptop. On the screen, you see, um, like a very clearly self-made blog titled Dear R. Um, and it looks like she's writing a letter. And at the top, it's, it's addressed like a letter. It says Dear R. And flowing out of her fingertips, it just like goes on in this kind of, yeah, a letter. In the, but it's also like, um, in the form of like a blog post. So you know that this would be not, you know, it's not like she's sending an email or something. It's like a blog post. Ding, ding. The glass door opens and a young, attractive blonde man, probably in his mid to late twenties, walks in with a leather computer bag draped over his left shoulder. He sees you rather quickly and gives you a familiar nod. He approaches your booth and sits down, placing his bag on the table. The waitress approaches, gaining his attention. I'll just have a coffee, thanks. She nods and smiles before walking away. Maya, thanks for meeting me. We need to talk. Maya will uh, jump when he... Wait, this is a... A guy? What am I? Where? Yep. Okay. Um, kind of jump and just tilt the screen down, and then be like, "Oh, hey!" and then just close it all the way. How how are you, Maya? Oh, uh, you know, I'm good. Uh, what did you want to talk about? And gestures at the seat across from her. And the waitress comes over and drops a ceramic mug on the table. Gives her a nod and puts a cream and a half a packet of sugar and then stirs it. Ding, 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 ding. Maya. Look, I'm, I'm here actually on behalf of the whole analytics team. We just. Maya, you've been acting strangely recently. Sometimes you don't return calls or emails. You seem distant. You barely even saw me walk in here. We're, we're worried about you. What's going on? I mean, everyone has other things outside of work. I didn't think it was getting in the way. Well, I, I, I mean, it's not. You're, you're still doing the work, but, you know, it's not how it used to be. Ever since the big timber bombing and, and forcing you to to miss that seminar, it's, it's like you, you've just been distant. I mean, what do you want me to say? I show up on time. You know, I do my work. I, I'm trying. <sighs> okay. Um, my... I found a blog. It's called Letters to R. And it's it's weird. And the team looked into it and well, we found your IP address attached to it. We know you're running it and it's 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 weird. Who who is this R? It's a fun fictional project. I don't know why are you so upset? I'm not upset. I just... 
again, we're, you know, we're just worried about you. And he opens his bag and he pulls out a photograph and he puts it on the table. And it's a photograph that the audience has seen before during an interrogation in Big Timber. A photo taken from a distance of Agent Maya Oakley speaking with Randy. We've, we were going through some files, encrypted files from the dissolving of Majestic 12, just making sure nothing sensitive was on there. And we found this, Maya. Is our Randy the terrorist? Like I said, it's a work of fiction. And she kind of scoffs and like puts two of her fingers on the photo and slides it toward her to take it. You, you know this looks really bad, right? Like, if Top Brass found out you had contact with a domestic terrorist and you didn't say anything? Look, you know I was there. I might have talked to that guy, but I don't know him. Okay. Okay, just... Look, we're not going to tell anybody, but me, Nikita, all of us, we're worried. So just make sure, you, make sure you're taking care of yourself. And Maya, you can talk to me. You know that, right? I, I understand. If you're worried, do you think you could try to get rid of it? Yeah. Yeah, I think we can we can do that. Thank you. I'm just tired and being there was a lot. It's yeah. not easy. Well. Just just be careful. And he puts $5 on the table and he says, "This should cover my coffee." I'll see you at work on Monday. As he's walking away, she just kind of sings songly. Is like, it's just fiction. Let's make sure it stays that way. Hey, I wanted the last word. Stop to keep saying things as you're walking away. <laughs> okay, goodbye. <laughs> um, Chases him out the door. No! <laughs> no! Fuck you! So, mechanically... I believe what you are doing is studying the unnatural. Well, I wanted to, so, like, take this a little bit further. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Um, she probably, like, sits there for a moment, kind of quiet and sighs. And takes a second for herself and then opens up the laptop taps her finger on the side, like, not on the keys, but on the side, just thinking for a moment. And then types, Randy, what the hell am I doing? Before looking at it with the cursor blinking, and then just highlights it and deletes that whole line, and then closes the laptop and goes out of the restaurant. So I think, mechanically speaking, your personal pursuit you are taking during this home scene is 
Studying the unnatural. Does that sound about right? Yeah, if you were to, like, scroll through the blog, it's like a conspiracy blog. And these letters are kind of part of it that kind of add to the the feeling and, um, you know, asking questions about things that are unknown. Um, so, yeah. Okay, give me a luck roll. Oh, I don't have dice. And really quick, I forgot to do this at the top of the episode. If you guys have any check marks, God, by your skills, feel free to roll a d4 minus one for each one that's checked and increase your skill by that much. And also everybody roll a d6 and give yourself that much sanity back for successfully preventing a catastrophic incident Ooh. with uh, Frank O'Neill. McNeil. Oh. oh my god, here we go again. Here we go again. Some things never change. I'm back up to 42. What'd you roll for your... You get a six? I got a five. Hey. Also, I hope you don't mind. I was doing D100s minus one for my skills, so it's, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, I have uh, 156 in gun combat. How many <laughs> yeah. times do I shoot him? <laughs> yeah. What am I rolling first? Give, give me a luck roll first. You said D6. D6 for the sanity. And we add that to our current sanity? Yes. I got an 88. That is a critical failure. Oh, I forgot to. Okay, so I think what happens is you actually take a point of sanity damage from delving into all these weird internet conspiracy theories and trying to sift through the the fiction and the what may be non-fiction of all these crazy crackpot stories and it's i think it has taken a toll on your sanity so give yourself a minus one but don't forget to add or to uh but don't forget to give yourself a d6 for the successful mission I got a two, so not barely anything. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, I got a one for my sanity. Okay. I got a um, four. I'm almost full. Nice. We talked about that. And I can choose four of any skill. Right? Well, yeah, that's something we discussed off air, so we're going to keep that out of the episode. Cause it's I thought that you'd said what you just said. Spoiler no, alert. It's, for everybody who has marked skills, it's 1d4 minus 1 for the marked skills, but you didn't oh, mark any one. skills you chair. Yeah. Minus 1. Okay. But before we do that, Ayla. I, am I doing that on air or am I doing it on? No, no. You just do it off air. Okay. All of a sudden, Special Agent Oakley. <laughs> Your phone buzzes. She answers. Wait, what? I want to look at the caller ID first. You look at the caller ID first? You want to do that? Yeah. Okay. And we cut to a rainy city. Oh. <laughs> okay. Seattle, Washington, 2003. 
An old clock overwhelms this otherwise silent room. Dark tones rhyme with the chairs and walls, accented by burgundy and brown bookshelves meticulously filled with texts in the field of psychology. A middle-aged woman purses her lips around the end of her pen. She crosses her legs and readjusts her notepad. So, Dr. Greenwood, how is your work at Harborview going? It's going fine, thank you. Have you had any recent episodes? No, uh, everything's been <clears throat> doing okay. Feel any different recently or more of the same? More of the same, really. Just, uh, just kind of trying to live day to day. And is the medication helping you? Yeah, um, yeah. I'm glad I took your advice and, and went for the medication. Although I thought that the, uh, medication would help with my disassociative disorder. You don't find that it is? I still sound different. It's yeah. like my brain not wanting to go back. Well, you know, these things take a lot of time, and progress can come slowly, but the more you try it, the better it will be. It's just like healing in, in physical medicine, medicine, rather. I suppose so. So, Dr. Greenwood, and this is Tanner speaking. Yeah. You are attending therapy. I need to know if over the last couple of years you have been telling your therapist the whole truth or withholding or lying to them. I think that I would have found a therapist that would have been accepting to wild truths. So, yes, I would be open and honest with this therapist. I would have tried to find one that that would not have been like, oh, you seem like you're insane. You're going to uh, to a hospital for a while uh, type of thing. I would want one that would be like, oh, you actually believe that this has happened or this actually has happened and let's take care of it. So I would have been honest. <clears throat> okay. Give me a luck roll. Uh, 17. Very good. So go ahead and give yourself 1d6 sanity back. Yay, I like all the sanity. <laughs> Another five. I think that maxes me out. Man, you are crushing it. Dude, I went to therapy. So <laughs> fucking sane. Hey, go to therapy, guys. Go to therapy. Seriously. Dr. Greenwood, do you find that Seattle feels like home to you yet? <sighs> I suppose. I mean, I was out here for training. This is where I got my medical license. So, really was a home away from home when I was moving out of Big Timber. Right. Have you spoken to your ex-wife recently at all? Yeah, she wasn't very happy that I sold the house in Maine. Well, you know, it was your home. Legally, yes it was. Right. But. Have you talked to Ronnie recently? <laughs> oh, Ronnie. Yeah, I try and call her as much as I can. But, you know, she's so busy being a representative now. She's she's the big leagues. 
Doesn't right. have time for us, uh, us mere mortals, let me tell you. An old clock dings on the hour, shattering the otherwise quiet environment. I'm afraid our time is up, Doctor. Same time next week? Yeah, I'll call you if I'm called into uh, surgery, but other than that, yes, same time next week. Thank you, Doctor. I look forward to it. I'll stand up and I'll uh, probably grab my uh, overcoat that I had taken off and then put it on and nod to her and walk out. As you walk out into the streets of Seattle, phone buzzes. Who's calling me? Ronnie. <gasps> I'll walk out of the building and I'll answer. Ronnie, I was just talking about you. Hey, Freddy. I know it's all good things, right? Oh, of course. Of course. How are you doing? Oh, doing good. A little exhausted. Hard to get <laughs> sleep these days. Well, I mean, you're saving world issues, aren't you? <laughs> I'd like to think so. Well, I would have voted for you if I was still a Montana representative or a resident, excuse me. But I know you would have. Yeah. How you doing? Oh, just got out of therapy. Yeah. <laughs> How's that going? Yeah, it's going, you know, as yeah. as well as therapy can, I suppose. Yeah, especially when uh, the therapist doesn't believe what you're telling them, right? <laughs> How could they? I mean, <laughs> they'd have to be insane. <laughs> oh, you're not insane, buddy. Oh, we're all insane, aren't we? <laughs> Everyone's a little insane. That's true. How's the representative life? Oh, I like to think every little bit I'm making a difference, so yeah. sometimes it doesn't feel that way. I know, but hey, the things that I hear, you are making a difference. I uh, just had a few quick moments here before I have to go, but I knew I hadn't reached out in a bit and just wanted to make sure to say hi. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for calling. When are you coming out to Seattle to see me? Uh, definitely soon. We should plan a vacation. We we need to get yeah. out, do something hey, fun. I know a beautiful place. You just let me know when, and I'll book the tickets. That sounds great. I will have my assistant get in touch with you to plan out when our, our <laughs> schedules can align. Oh. All right. I'll, uh, I'll look forward to her call. <laughs> That reminds me of something I forgot for yours, uh, Ayla, and yours, your uh, personal pursuit, Wes. Since neither one of you are fulfilling responsibilities, I believe you have to take a minus from some of your bonds. Fulfilling Do responsibilities? Yeah, so personal pursuits, you get a couple options. Fulfilling responsibilities is like to your bonds, essentially. Oh, gotcha, okay. And working on them. Um, you, your activity was go to therapy and tell the truth. Mm -hmm. Maya's, yours was study the unnatural. Latara, do you remember how much it is if you do anything but fulfilling responsibilities? I... Oh, here it is. No, I got it right here. So, each one of you choose one bond and roll a sanity check. Okay. I failed. Okay. Should I do that now too? Since we're you, all I thought you rolling? did it already. Well, I just did 
the establish a new bond is my. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah, you do one as well. Would you say a D? Uh, sanity check. Oh, sanity check. Did you fail or succeed, Ma? I succeeded. Okay, so you're fine. Dr. Greenwood, you failed, so lower that bond by one. Sorry, ex-wife. I failed. Choose a bond and lower it by one. I already lowered my bond with Freddy, so I guess I'll lower my sister this time. Thanks! <laughs> it's the cost of a dedication. <laughs> and at this point in your phone call, the producer comes up to you, Ronnie, and is like, we're going, er, excuse me, we record in two minutes, two minutes. Oh, uh, sorry, Freddy, that's a, a call for me. I'll have Sam get in touch with you, though. Go save the and world. <laughs> and Freddy, at this point, your phone's buzzing again with another incoming call. I got a phone call anyway. Love you, Ronnie. Take care. Go save Love the world. <laughs> I'm going to hang up on Ronnie. And what's the other number? You want to look at the caller ID and look at the other number? Yeah, of course I do. Okay. Washington, D.C. Wait, why didn't you tell me what it, mine said? We tell him what his said. I didn't I th- tell him I think, he's se- I think he's setting up for another person. <laughs> oh, I thought you were saying it said Washington, D.C. Washington, was like, D.C. Yeah. is calling oh, no. me. Holy shit, the whole yeah. district? <laughs> we cut to the nation's capital. Wait, can we pause I- just really quick? I have to pee, but I want to hear the stories. Yeah, for sure. Okay. <laughs> want to take a little shot, Ayla? Yeah, I'm getting all fired uh, up over nothing. <laughs> <laughs> what did you tell him? What did you tell him? The White House is calling? <laughs> Yeah. Oh shit! Hey, uh, is this uh, is your refrigerator <laughs> running? <laughs> then uh, saved as a uno cento. Well, then you better go catch it. <laughs> and this is coming from President Georgia. <laughs> oh damn it! Chain out, get it again. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Let's continue ignoring Zane. This is my favorite part about this episode, is that Zane doesn't have a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we pan over nation's capital, passing by the Washington look, passing by the Washington Monument. Washington, DC, 2003. You hang up the phone as makeup artists brush the last addition to foundation on your cheeks. The lighting feels hot from above you, and this reporter, Lauren Matthews, is going through her vocal warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. The producer, Carrie Pine, steps up to you with a clipboard, his headphones around his neck, and he says, Okay, Miss Evans, we're gonna jump right into this piece on big timber bombing. We're gonna hit you with something easy, describe your experience, and then right into the controversies. At the end, we're gonna throw a softball to you uh, that you can cut up and use for your campaign ads. All sound good to you? You betcha. Let's jump right in. And we're gonna go to live in three, two, one. He points. He points. Thank you. (laughs) Good evening, America. I am Lauren Matthews with ABC Nightly News, and here with me tonight is Montana's only member of the House of Representatives who is up for re-election this November, Veronica Evans. Miss Evans, how are you this evening? Oh, you know, the memories are strong, but we're all making do. Pushing forward and making changes, right? 
Yes, right. Of course. Now, Miss Evans, you were elected uh, pretty quickly after this horrible terrorist attack in your home city of Big Timber. Can you describe for us your experience in the small town of Big Timber before and after the bombing? Well, Big Timber's always been such a quaint and homey town. I uh, moved away for a little bit, but the call of family always brings you back, am I right? Can Yes, of course. <laughs> Everyone loves going to the local diner for uh, Salisbury Steak Night. Everyone's on a first-name basis. Even those that don't like you still are friendly, you know? Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a true American upbringing. Now, Majestic 12 has apparently been dissolved by President Bush, but there are many skeptics and critics who don't believe that justice has been served. What would you say to those people? I would say that those people should always keep digging for their answers. We never want to stop and just tell, listen to what others tell us. Uh, I'd like to think that we're continuing our investigations. There are always questions to be had, and I keep pushing the rest of the government to, you know, more transparency. Excellent. Excellent. I think many Americans would agree with you on such a thing. Now, between the Oklahoma sitting bombing and the 9-11 terrorist attacks, there were motive or drive that eventually came out of these horrible tragedies. However, no one seems to know exactly why this Randy Erickson carried out this attack. What do you believe were his motivations? Without uh, being able to get into his head and ask him those questions, one can only guess. Uh, you know, there's a, a lot of mystery around that, and uh, I do hope that uh, others out there that might be having thoughts that might lead them down a dangerous path will go seek help. Talk to those around them, because keeping it bottled up inside is not healthy, and we wouldn't want any repeats of what happened at Big Stick. I think that might be the understatement of the year, Representative, but yes. In fact, that leads me to my next question. Some conspiracy theorists say that Sheriff Richard McLean, who you had a close relationship to, and who allegedly committed suicide during this whole ordeal, was actually murdered in part of some sort of government cover-up. What do you have to say about this theory? Again, there's only questions out there. I had pushed to let us examine his body because he was a, a good sheriff and he cared a lot for the town and was looking into all this right alongside everyone else. And then we found out he'd committed suicide, which on one hand, there was a lot going on and he had been drinking. But on the other, I didn't see that coming from him. And that's part of why I am pushing for less power with these black ops and more power to the local governments keeping all the local deputies and jurisdictions in the loop on these types of investigations. Okay. Well, Miss Evans, uh, one more question for you, and I will let you off the hook, so to speak. Uh, facing re-election this November, what are your biggest concerns for the American people going forward? I know I've said it a thousand times, but transparency with the government, 
is a big deal. We need to be able to follow along with the little people, let them know what's going on. We need to take away some of that power from the black ops because they shouldn't be able to just shut down a town and not tell anyone what's going on. That leads to more fear. And those black ops too, sometimes, you know, they might start off good, but they need to remember that it's about protecting the people, not about getting more power for the government. Well, I, for one, Miss Evans, think you're very brave for taking a stand against the powers that may be, and especially so for being a woman representative from a rather Republican state. Um, thank you so much for meeting with me this evening, uh, Representative Evans. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. I'm Lauren Matthews, and this is ABC News. And cut! And the producer walks up to you and says, Thank you so much for your cooperation, Miss Evans. Uh, we'll be airing this tonight at 8 p.m. I hope you have a chance to tune in. And he gives you this kind of forced Hollywood smile before turning back to his work and going to the reporting. He's like, you looked great. Good job. The makeup was good. And, I, and the whole crew just kind of goes into motion, wrapping up the set around you. What would you like to do? I'll, uh kind of sit and think for a second, you know, remembering what happened those uh, few years ago before I gather up my things and look for my assistant. And your phone buzzes in your pocket. Your personal phone. Pull it out. Take a look. Looking at the caller ID? You know it. And we cut. <laughs> I have something to add. You bastard. <laughs> um, I'd like to think that, you know, I, I imagine it's, I don't know the exact time zone of how that works. I imagine it's uh, dark and um, Maya is sitting in her living room and has a TV on in the background and um usually has like the news going or whatever um and then this comes on when she's just sitting there typing away on her with her laptop on her lap and when she hears your voice she kind of like perks up in the ear and listens for a minute and when you talk about transparency and digging deeper for answers um maya just kind of smiles and is like huh yeah and then just keeps going keeps tapping away at the, the laptop and just kind of like nodding along with what you're saying because she thinks that too. She's probably keeping tabs on, on you guys, so that would, it would make sense. And for the listening audience, we didn't do a role for her personal pursuit because we did that off air because it was whether or not she was going to get elected. And that kind of hinged the entire narrative on it so we went ahead and did that ahead of time and obviously she succeeded well, we took that uh took that liberty yeah <laughs> not be like okay roll right now to see if you were elected four Ooh. years ago Ooh. so you've just been living in squalor sinking in the bottle that was just my uh dream of what it would have been like yeah you're drunk <laughs> you're drunk dream ah oh, it's great and then you wake up and we cut to an airplane descending onto a runway in 
a clear sky, sunny day where the heat sort of ripples off the pavement. Dallas, Texas, 2003. This is your captain speaking. We are now making our descent into Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport. The local time is 3.15, and it seems to be a sunny fall day with temperatures at a high of 75 degrees. For those of you traveling here, we wish you a safe travels, and for those of you returning, welcome home. Thank you for flying United. Dressed in army camo, a matching backpack at your feet. Dan, you watch regular people stand quickly and wait in a packed line on this flight. Sardines shoved into a small tin can filled to the brim with impatient folk. They trip over each other, trying to retrieve their bags from the overhead bins as fast as possible, knowing full well they're at the mercy of the crowd. But you go through the motions, you stand with them, you walk with them, shuffling through DFW. And we see you, backpack over your shoulders, pluck a duffel bag from a carousel. And you're carrying it through the airport as these glass doors open up to the Texas autumn, a rather warm day. And there stands your wife, Ella Durgan, and your son, Benny. Benny stands rigid, orderly, military kid, just like you. He's taller than you remember. Nella steps forward and she says, Welcome home, Dan. How was your flight? Uh, it was a hell of a lot better than desert. They have fresh air the whole time. Blow it right on your face. Pretty great. How's home, Ben? You working out, kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I am, sir. And he comes up and just kind of, like, puts his hand out to shake. Good to see you. Showing on you. It's good to see you, too. You... You look good. Uh, glad to hear it. I feel like I could use about a four-day nap. What's up? Uh, oh, go ahead. You go. What's 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 going on with you? I hear you're you may be shipping out sometime soon. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, I'm 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 gonna be shipping out ton tonight. I leave. I'm I'm gonna go stay in a hotel uh, in downtown Dallas but it's not for a couple hours so I figured you know I'd be here when you got home and then head that way well shit some timing kid you could have we, we could have used you the other day <laughs> I, well, well you know I still have to yeah there's a, there's a lot still but thanks to, and he kind of gives a glare to Ella He's like, Dan <laughs> Dan will raise an eyebrow at Ella. She opens the car door abruptly and says, are we going or not? And slams it as she enters the passenger seat. <laughs> Dan just kind of chuckled to himself. Yeah, we're going. Throw his trunk in there, the bag of the trunk, then walk around to the passenger side door. Okay. And Benny actually gets in the driver's seat, fires up the truck, and this short drive back to your house is quiet. 
The hum of the road beneath your vehicle fills the silence. But nobody seems to say anything. 10-15 minutes from the airport, you pull into the driveway, parking just out front of a closed garage. Your wife and son get out of the car, close the door, start walking towards the house. What do you do? I split off immediately and uh, head directly to the keypad outside my garage, punching the number, partially just to see if Ella's changed it, you know, to, in case she had to kick me out or something, and uh, partially because when it opens, inside is Randy's van. And the door, it's about halfway, and behind you, you hear, Are you serious, Dan? Honey, I... I don't want to hear it. It's been a year and a half. What's so important about this fucking van? Your son ships out tonight, and every night he asks, how are you doing, and asks for any update on you, and the first thing you do is run to the stupid fucking van? I've missed y'all. I have. But there's, there's something in this van. I know it. Something in this van. It's going to change everything. There's always a but with you, Dan. There's always a but. Whatever. Do whatever the fuck you want. But you only have a few hours with your son before he ships off. And I'll be in there for almost the whole time. Almost. I'll see you in a few. She scoffs and turns around and walks back to the house. And yeah, inside the garage door... The rays of sun catch this thick dust that fills the space. And it's laying all over this busted up white van. What do you do? I slide underneath the van. Um, a little bit dark under there. I have to kind of feel my way around a little bit. And then I find the gas tank. And I uh, make a fist and I bash the side of it a little bit and uh, a panel pops open that obviously like a hidden compartment and a, uh, a leather bound dossier falls out thick it's like an inch and a half at least and uh, and then because you slippery son of a bitch you got it here I knew you I was gonna grab it uh kind of discreetly, almost like looking over his shoulder even though he knows he's in this garage alone and uh, slink up into the driver's seat of the van and bend over this dossier and as he opens it you're going to see the word Majestic 12 or Majestic 12 and then an index with things like Operation LiDAR Location Big Stick Montana and Operation Gambler, location Carson City, Nevada, and Operation Lost in the Woods, location Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. And Dan goes to fucking work on these things. He just, you can, he's got a look on his face like he's been thinking about this since the whole time he's been gone. And as you're flipping through, a small business card slips out. An old one, 
with an embossed green triangle on it. But it's a little different from how it looked in Big Stick four years ago. Because lemon juice has been applied, and on the front there is a number. 5550321. Well, that's a damn lucky find of a phone number. Do do do. You hear a knocking on the outside of the garage door. Uh. Oops. Dan will walk over and hit the open button. Step outside. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Sorry, it's been been at least 20 minutes. I'm on my He has to go in an hour, Dan. Come on. Oh, shit. Been three hours already? I'm more disappointed in you than I've ever been. Wait. And as you walk towards the house... You get to the front door, and in your pocket, the phone rings. Uh, yeah, I think. I know Dan should look at the number, because it'd be better content. Dan doesn't even look. He pulls the phone out of his pocket and answers it. Sergeant, uh, sorry. Sergeant Durgan, at your service. And we fade out. And we'll see you guys next time for the first actual episode of season two of our Delta Green show. Hell yeah. Woo! I'm so fucking stoked, dude. Oh! I've been missing Dan so bad. Oh man, <laughs> it's good to be back, baby. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Dr. Greenwood, Agent Boys Oakley, back Ronnie. Tanner. And a mystery <laughs> yeah, person. Dan. No, yeah. we killed Zane. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I said this on break, but my favorite part of this episode is that Zane's here, but not on mic. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Reroll Gaming Podcast. This actual play, Whispers of Lunabelle Island, is published by arrangement with the Delta Green Partnership. The intellectual property known as Delta Green is a trademark and copyright owned by the Delta Green Partnership, who has licensed its use here. The contents of this document are copyright Zane Gehring, excepting those elements that are components of the Delta Green intellectual property. Want to follow us on social media, listen to another episode, or send us hate mail? Check out our link tree for all our info. You can find that link in the episode description. Big thanks to Tabletop Audio for producing quality RPG music and ambiance that we can use in our games. The re-roll main theme and all character themes are copyright Zane Gehring. The Chronicles of Rail theme and the Frequency theme are copyright Tanner Prentice. Please consider donating to our Patreon if you liked our content. We are hell-bent on making more and with your support we can make a lot more. New episodes of Whispers of Lunabelle Island release every Friday at 12 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. See you then.